4: Because it's not a matter of my liberation. It's also a matter of yours. And if you're working, if we're working together, it's not because we're going to do something for the poor black people. We're going to do something for each other
3: to save this really rather frightening world.
0: Whatever our differences, we are fellow Americans. And please believe me when I say no association has ever meant more to me than that.
4: I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. Is the show where we explore what it takes to make meaningful change in our deeply divided country. I'm Van Jones. I would just wanna wish you a happy new year. Right now, you're probably looking ahead, coming up with goals for yourself, ways to improve yourself. We always do this at the beginning of the year. I certainly do. It's a time that we think about the future. And I think sometimes when we talk about the future for ourselves individually, maybe our goals are too big. Going to lose all this weight, you know, doesn't usually happen that way. But I think our goals for the country are too small. I think when we think about the future for all of us together, I don't think we think big enough. If you look in the past 20 years, so much has changed just in two decades stuff you wouldn't even imagine. I mean, you, know, you used to have to make a phone call from a landline, and not nobody even has a landline, and we've got computers in our pockets, even more. Is going to change in the next twenty years, but it's hard to know exactly what that is, and and how can we use all these changes for good? And that's why I want to start the year by talking to Will I Am. Now you probably know him because of his musical career. He was in the Black Eyed Peas. He's a rapper. He's a singer. He's a songwriter, producer. The guy has won seven Grammys. But I know him not just because he's a musician, also because he's a futurist meaning he has this unbelievable ability to pinpoint trends, technologies, where are things going? And then he can kind of get ahead of that, put his own stamp on it and move the conversation forward. He's taking his ability to get ahead of the trend and putting that power in the hands of young people. And he's been doing it for a long time. You may remember back in 2008, he was using YouTube to push the conversation forward about presidential politics when a lot of people were just discovering that YouTube even existed. So I want you to have the benefit of this dude's brain. I want you, as you're thinking about not just next year, but the next decade and how you want to participate, I want you to be able to tap into what he knows, what he thinks, how he dreams and how he moves. In this conversation, pay attention to a couple of things. First of all, Will.i.am has a grip on artificial intelligence that I think is really profound. I mean, he sees this as being able to help us not just pull up an app and find our way to the airport better. He sees this as being able to help us find our way to better personal health. He also has these ideas he talks about, like the idea of a data doppelganger. That's a concept I had not heard of before, but he says it's already changing the way that we live. Also, he's very clear about the importance of young people understanding this technology. For him, technology is a pathway from poverty to prosperity for the next generation, and he speaks about it so powerfully and so beautifully. And of course, I do talk to him about music and the creative arts, especially how you use that, infuse that with technology and innovation to make a difference. Even in the world of politics, we talk about that. I just think that Will I Am is a model for what it means to think big, and beautiful and bold about the future. I think he's just proof you can be 100% true to yourself and still work with everybody else and reach everybody else and touch everybody else and move everybody else. I think he has tremendous insight for you about how we can create a much better future for America, for the world. And that's why I'm super excited to share this conversation with you right after this quick break. Brother man, brother man, how are you?
2: How you doing, Mr. Jones?
4: I'm happy. Part of the reason I wanted to have you on is because I think most people, they think about you. They think about the Black Eyed Peas. They think about the 33 million records. They think about the seven Grammys. They think about all that stuff, you as an entertainer. I don't think enough people understand that is the tip of the iceberg, and the iceberg is massive uh, when it comes to you as a technologist, you as a builder, as a maker, as a futurist. You're more of a man of tomorrow in a time where everybody's kind of hung up in the present and arguing about the past. And I just, I, I've never asked you the question, how did you get to be this way? What in your childhood set you up to not just be a polymath in terms of all the stuff that you do, but this orientation that you have toward the future, toward tomorrow, toward building a world to live in going forward? Where did that come from?
2: I would have to say it comes from my mom and my grandma. Hmm. My grandma was a part of that South migration to Los Angeles. And that is futurism, right? I, I got to leave my immediate. I'm going to go to this place in the West. They say that it's a lot easier for Black people to live. And there's more opportunities there for us. Mm-hmm. That's a futuristic perspective. That, that's my grandma's life. And so the way she raised my mom is the way my mom raised me. That is being very, like, respectful to your elders, minding what you say, no curse words, and trying your best to make your mom and your elders proud. And that's how I was raised. I remember my mom used to say, I used to say, like, Ma, can I go outside and play with uh, Nasario, Noe, Nene, and Lalo? She was like, no, they could come play with you, though. I was like, yeah, but they're playing over there. She was like, well, how do you know and what do you know they playing with? You just going to go over there because they over there? Come up with something for them to come over there and play with you. You ain't got no business going and joining what they doing, but they could come play with you. And so that kind of pushing you to be imaginative and Mm -hmm. not following the herd and the crowd is I think the early architecture of my curiosity and creative thinking.
4: Well, I tell you, it's taken you both in terms of your not just your physical body all around the world, but just your mind, your heart, and your soul. I mean, you're so far ahead of most conversations now. And I feel that we're at the beginning of almost a new kind of human civilization. There is a bunch of breakthroughs when it comes to technology, when it comes to artificial intelligence. You seem to be one of the few people who seem to be focused on the future and on technology. And I just wonder, what are you excited about. What are folks missing, especially African-Americans and other folks with good intentions? What are the innovations that you think might make a positive difference or just an important difference that we aren't even discussing in the news every day?
2: So seven and a half, almost eight years ago, I started dabbling in artificial intelligence in the area of natural language understanding, natural language processing. That means the ability to communicate to a computer Just speaking like me and you are talking, not command driven. Like right now, we know how to say, Give me directions to LAX. And no matter if you turn left or right, it recalculates and gives you directions to LAX. The same is not for health. I cannot say to uh, the machine at this point in time, I want to weigh 175 by March 15th, 2023. I cannot say. This is the career that I want to have and the job and and the lifestyle I want to live. Give me directions to do that. The AI and the GPS has figured out where you are geographically and get you from point A to point B. It does not do that for you physically, does not do that for you nutritionally, does not do that for you psychologically or education. And those uh, algorithms are there. Facebook uses them against you and all your data doppelgangers every single day and sells them to the highest bidder. Sometimes foreign nations.
4: No, no, wait, when you say data doppelgangers, what do you mean?
2: So data doppelgangers is, you know, my name is Will. I'm born in L.A. I'm 46 years old. I'm five, nine and a half. Um, I'm vegan. I eat a lot of carbs. I like Tribe Called Quest. My favorite movies on Netflix are X, Y, Z. Here's my, my Google search, the things I search currently. Here's the restaurants that I go to. There's like this data set that Facebook knows. And there's a lot of people out there that are like me. Facebook and companies like Facebook got us all in a data doppelganger. Mm -hmm. But that is used for their business model, not to empower me or you. And that same technology could give you a better life to give you better knowledge of yourself and where you're going.
4: What you're saying is so radical that it really sometimes bears repeating. What you're saying is that you have these technology companies that are vacuuming up every bit and bite of information about you. They literally know more about you than you could know about yourself because they don't forget nothing. (laughs) And you might forget a few things about yourself. You know, you can't say, what did I eat in March of 2019? Like they might know that. And yet having so much information, they could be using it. Hey, how can I make this person's life better? What does this person really need? That's not what they're doing. They're trying to figure out how can I make the most possible money (laughs) off of this dude that I possibly can, and you don't even have a say in it. All of your technological insights and innovations are really trying to flip it so that all this data can be turned into wisdom. Not data into dollars for somebody else, but data into wisdom to get to help humanity. And it's very easy to say that it's very hard to do it. Look, there's a gating question here. Most people are not trying to get kids from the hood involved in technology. They tell them, hey, don't do drugs, don't shoot each other, uh, don't get pregnant, go to college. That's about it. There's no no real conversation beyond that. You see something in these young people, urban young people, that everybody else seems to be missing or underestimating or undervaluing. Why are you so passionate about this rising generation of young people to try to pull them into technology, which is really the opposite of the, the entire conversation most people are having with them? What do you see that other people are missing?
2: I go back and I remember history class and they taught us about Edison. They barely taught us about Tesla. Turns out that was the dude. And so all, all of the things that we learned about the past and the technologies that really propelled humanity forward, they left people out. Not only Eastern Europeans like Tesla, but black inventors. And so Why does that have to happen again during this fourth industrial revolution? Why do people have to be left out of the conversation? And if they do contribute, be erased, right? There's so many African-Americans that invented the stoplight that invented all these awesome things that no one really learns about in school growing up. And so here we are at the crossroads of a brand new fourth industrial revolution. We have things like artificial intelligence being invested in and advancing right now, but we're not there training the data and writing the algorithms. Like our community is not a part of the conversation. Why does it have to be that way? We know what the results are going to be. Like if we're barely getting out over racism, imagine machinism when we weren't the ones that were programming the algorithms for the machine to really value and be empathetic for our living conditions and needs. Who's there? Making sure the machine understands our sensitivities,
4: you could very easily have a bunch of racist robots just because the people who are coding them don't know any better than to introduce a whole bunch of biases, a whole bunch of you know prejudices and stuff like that, and now we're in the 22nd century with even worse problems, or we can stop wasting genius. We can look into the urban high schools, the juvenile halls and you know Appalachia and all these other places where the last couple of industrial revolutions left people out or ground people under, and include folks. But you're actually doing that. We'll be right back after this quick break.
1: Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, This foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The Blurring Sponge Tip Applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation, and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation.
0: On the Nintendo Switch system, there's so many worlds you can explore.
1: Like Hyrule, where I can fight enemies and save the kingdom with Link.
0: (laughs) That sounds adventurous.
1: Or my very own island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, where I can fish whenever I want.
0: Whoa, look at the size of that thing. You can find even more worlds to explore on the Nintendo Switch system. Games rated E to E10+. Games and systems sold separately.
4: I want you to talk a little bit about things that you're doing to actually begin to bring this new genius into this new technological age.
2: So it was 2008. I campaigned for Obama and did Yes, We Can song that moved the needle to get them to mm-hmm. become the Democratic candidate. Mm-hmm. And
4: I, I, I will stop you because I got to brag on you. I don't think people really understood what you did in terms of moving history. You took a concession speech, which means a a defeat speech. Barack Obama won in Iowa, and everybody went, holy crap, it's 2008. Holy crap, the black dude won in Iowa. People started Googling, who is this guy? We never heard of this guy. He won, holy crap. He goes to New Hampshire and gets defeated. Hillary Clinton stops him cold in New Hampshire. All of us who know politics, like, okay, well, he was a one-hit wonder. Barack Obama, you know, pulled off a little trick, but the Clintons now—they're going to crush this dude. Obama comes out and gives a speech as a loser with this "Yes, we can" refrain. I turn off my TV, <laughs> go to bed, shed a tear, <laughs> tell my kids, you know, someday we may have a black guy in the White House. Won't be this guy, but he's because he's dead. He's roadkill. It's over. And then here you come, and you remixed a concession speech. And you brought in. You talked about the collaboration. You brought in different artists, different voices. And by the time people heard the speech, they thought the Negro had won. It was such a. <laughs> I said, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> Everybody, was like, we love this guy. Nobody has done that in the history of American politics to turn a concession speech into the biggest victory speech in the world. Did you have any idea when you did that that you were literally going to bend history in a different direction?
2: Um. So my attorney comes to me and he said, Hey, Will, there's a song you have called I Got It from My Mama. You should remix that and turn it to I'm voting for Obama. I was like, Bro, if you do that, <laughs> he's definitely going to lose. He was like, why? It's a great, it's a great thing, right? I'm like, no, bro. You cannot take a song that was made for idolizing and, you know, Google-eyed over females and turn it into a song to get somebody elected. First off, what you're saying is impossible. Create a song to get him elected. That's like saying, throw this rock to the moon. Like, yeah, we could, we could, do, we could do something to help get him elected, but the song's not going to help get him elected. Like, I can't throw the rock to the moon. How do I place the rock on the moon? I got to hitch a ride on a rocket and I have to leave our atmosphere. Now, what is the metaphor of that for Obama. Have you seen that speech, bro? That speech was so awesome. This is me talking to my attorney. That speech was so awesome. That's the rocket. And how do you propel it? What's the fuel to get it off? If the speech is the rocket, then the fuel to get it off are teachers to teach that speech to students because when's the last time a politician or a public speaker's speech was taught in school? If we could accomplish that, that is taking a rock to the moon or Barack to the moon. He was like, how would you do that? I'm like, look, all you got to do is take the speech, chop it up, and then put a guitar on it that brings out emotion where you, where you feel the guitar is giving you the same energy as the words that he's speaking. So what guitars do that? There's Blackbird coming in the morning, son, or a Redemption song by Bob Marley. There's certain progressions that make you feel something that are synonymous with the words that he's saying. If we marry that and then put a melody to the words he's saying... We don't have to change his words. And I just put a melody on top of the words. It don't even have to rhyme. It's just the ideas rhyme. The words don't have to rhyme. The melody is what's doing all the, you know, bringing the emotion in and the ideas of the words he's saying. If we could do that, bro, that's when we move the needle. I don't have to summarize it. I just use the exact words. There was a creed written on the founding documents. It was a creed written into the founding documents that declared the destiny of a nation. Yes, we can. It was whispered by slaves and abolitionists as, as they, blazed they blazed the trail, trail toward
1: freedom.
2: Yes, so, yeah, can. so we so we yes, did it. We, we did it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, released it on a Friday, and by Super Bowl Sunday, it had like 20 million views on YouTube.
4: And Look, here's the thing. People got it's hard for the, the new crowd to understand 2008, nobody was really checking for YouTube. It wasn't baked into the campaign structure philosophy at all. And then you did that. <laughs> but to get 20 million views on a political, that, I mean, that was Neil Armstrong. And it really changed history because it made people want to be a part of a campaign that was frankly dead. You saw something else and now he's going to be in history books. I mean, I could talk about you all day long, but you're supposed to be talking for yourself. I'm sorry, but I just get excited because I've watched what you do. And the idea that after 2008, you didn't just rest on your laurels and become a political consultant, you decided to do, to do something for the next generation. Talk about that.
2: So there's a school called Roosevelt High School that my mom went to, that I was supposed to go to, but my mom sent me off to the West Side to get a better education. Roosevelt was one of the worst performing schools in the world, let alone America. And so a friend of mine named Ron Conway told me about Lorraine Powell Jobs' college track. And then Dean Kamen's robotics program. And so my first hunch was, what if I asked them to bring their programs to my neighborhood? What if I could bring those programs? What do I have to re- do to bring those programs to my neighborhood? So Lorraine Jobs has college track. And my, my uh, ping pong with Lorraine was sending kids to college from the inner city Could probably be the worst thing for them if they graduate with debt and no job. So how do you get kids from the inner city to go to college so that when they graduate, they have a diploma and the ability to fill jobs or create jobs? And so the combination between FIRST Robotics and a college track is the recipe for workforce development. And so that was my my hunch To encourage these kids, inspire these kids, bring the skill sets to them. And I started off with 65 kids. Now we have about 1,500 kids. We have budgeted to serve 15,000 kids with our robotics program. But right now, 200 schools out of the 400 that we have financial support for have signed up. So we're at our halfway mark.
4: Uh, It's extraordinary. I think what I want people to take away is you cross all these lines these racial lines, these, these lines of disciplines, and you somehow are able to make it work. Your music does that. You do that. What is it that is going on that's allowing you to be almost this uh, magnet, allowing these people to work together and do beautiful stuff when most people are fighting all the time.
2: I operate the way I operate making music and you can't make music if people are at odds with each other. You have to be open-minded to what everybody wants to do and then figure out how we all can play in harmony. And I know that sounds kumbaya, but music does it all the time. And so learning from the concept and the principles of music allows me to walk into these different rooms like the World Economic Forum or working at Intel, uh, working with Coca-Cola and inspiring them to do a sustainability program. It's, it's the ideas the, the vision to be able to materialize and why it makes sense and is painting that picture. It's like writing that song, creating that rhyme with similes and metaphors, that same brain, the skill that gave me the ability to make songs and manifest these ideas is the same brain that allows me to come up with these concepts and pitch them to companies or come up with these concepts and create campaigns for politicians that I believe in or the same a brain that allows me to see around corners to build programs or collaborate with folks and expand their programs to help kids in the inner city.
4: Yeah, man, that's amazing. And, you know, as we start moving to our close, a couple of things that has come to my mind. First of all, post COVID, a lot of people want to reinvent themselves. A lot of people were in the hamster wheel and just try and go faster and faster and faster as best they could. I put myself in this category and then suddenly we all had to stop doing what we were doing. And I hear from people all the time. I want to do something different with my life. I want to do something more meaningful with my life, but reinvention is very hard. I want you to share with my audience. What advice do you have for people who do want to renew and reinvigorate and reinvent themselves?
2: So what COVID told me was, wait, the world could like literally stop. You could pause this. Damn, they could pause the world. So that's a that's a scary thing and a beautiful thing at the same time. And what it showed me was how fragile and conflicted I am. But it also showed me, well, I've been here before. It's called being poor in the projects. I was stuck in my neighborhood. I was stuck with no opportunity. People in the hood felt COVID their whole life in the hood. But creativity is the way out. And I was the most creative in 2020. 2020 was reflection. Like, what do I want to do? How do I want to contribute? What do I want to create? How can I create remotely and collaborate remotely? How do I better use the connectivity? And uh, like I said, I've been, I haven't been this creative in a long time.
4: Well, look, you know, uh... No, no pressure, no diamonds. So, you know, there's, there's that, that out of adversity, you know, great things come. Well, I mean, look, I am, I, um, I, I know I, I got to let you go. Let me say two things. One is Prince was a good friend of mine. I, the last six years of his life, I was responsible for a lot of his philanthropy and that kind of stuff. And uh, he said, it's okay to use a computer, but don't let the computer use you. He said, it's, it's okay to get on the internet, but don't let the internet get on you. And um, so as you say that back in like the 90s, early 2000s, and he knew what he was talking about, but he also, he supported Yes, We Code. Uh, You know, he had the same vision as you in terms of trying to figure out how to get some of these young people involved. But, you know, when you have a world-class artistic genius like you, like Prince, like these people who also have massive hearts for people, it's just a blessing. It's just a real blessing. And I want more people to kind of see you because to your point, if you if you can be a creative person in, the, in music or in athletics or whatever, that creativity, you know, if you can build a team around music, around athletics, you can build a team around business, around science, around anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough people are aware of that in themselves, for their children. And I just think you're such a great example of it. And I appreciate you. How can people support what you're doing? How can people get involved? What can people who are inspired by you right now do?
2: Well... I wouldn't aim it like support me what I'm doing. We'll we'll be okay, but the help that we need is what we're doing in my community that I come from in Boyle Heights, East LA, without people demanding, you know, better skill sets to prepare their their kids, their nephews and nieces in their elementary, junior high school and middle school and high school. What we're doing is just going to be a little island. While the rest of the world is going to advance, America's going to fall behind. We need to invest time, love, and care and nurturing in our inner city youth as well as suburban youth. And so, how you can help the stuff that we're doing is demand that schools in Fifth Ward, Mississippi, schools in Brentwood, schools in Palisades um, are preparing these kids for, for tomorrow. Like, if there's a basketball court and a football field in every school, my sister ain't going to play for the Rams. Why do we have something in our schools that one gender is the only one that's going to advance in that field? And why are we going to ignore other pathways for kids?
4: Yeah. Well, look, you know, uh, I think that's a great, that's a great place to stop because it's consistent. Everything you said has been consistent. The through, the through line is very clear. Creativity is the way out. Collaboration is the way out. Focusing on, you know, the innovation and the opportunity that's available is a way out, not just for folks in the hood, but really for the country and for the world. Uh, If anybody ever asked the question, uh, where is the love? You to love.
2: Oh, thanks, Uh, man. Thank you, You bro.
4: I I love everything you do. I love what you stand for. And I love you being here on Uncommon Ground.
2: Thanks for having me, bro. We see the beauty of hope. That spirit is so beautiful.
0: Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door.
4: Man, I love talking to Will. I am. Uh, you can just learn so much about so many things talking to him. And something amazing about him to me is not only that he knows so much, but he taught himself a bunch of what he knows. He's just so driven, he's so creative, he's got such a big open mind that he's been able to be self-taught in all these areas. And I think that talking with futurists like Will I am can give us a new kind of hope. I think we can expand our focus from all the pain of the past, as important as that is, and all the troubles of the present, as real as that is, and focus more on the future that we want. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about that anymore. We're so caught up in all the pain and the frustration and all the fussing and the fighting. Back in the Obama days, we put a lot of hope in politics. I think, you know, politics is still important, but it can also be pretty depressing. Maybe we can start putting some more hope in technology. And even as we try to shape politics in a better direction, we can also try to shape technology in a better direction. You have a new human civilization. Uh, that is being born right now. And it's mainly being born because of the revolution in technology. And suddenly you've got things like metaverses and robots and artificial intelligence and space travel and cryptocurrencies and 3D printing and quantum computing and, and solar power and all kinds of innovation that a lot of people still are not aware of. These are new billion dollar industries, trillion dollar industries that are being born. Maybe some of the people who've been left out of the present economy and the, the industries of yesterday, maybe they can be lifted up and included in these industries of tomorrow. And maybe if we can't agree about America's past, which we apparently we can't, and we're gonna fight about America's present, maybe we could agree on an American future where technology is being used for good and where Genius is being tapped and creativity is being tapped from all kinds of places and spaces so that we can get to a better tomorrow together. I think Will I Am kind of stands for that. And, and I think more of us should, should join him in that quest. I got really inspired reading a book that I want you to check out. It's called The Future is Faster Than You Think. It's by a guy named Peter Diamandis and a guy named Stephen Cutler. And they really talk about how a lot of this stuff is coming really fast and it could work out well or ill, depending on how we embrace it. I want you to embrace the future in politics, in your own health, uh, with your family and in technology. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to highlight people who are doing this kind of creative thinking, people who are building bridges in places uh, that maybe people hadn't thought about. Those are the people who come up with solutions that work. So in this new year, I challenge you to work toward more creative solutions in your own life. You can make this year a lot better than last year. You can identify all the negative cycles you need to break out of. You can do that using creativity. We can do that individually. We can also do it at the community level, family level, and the country level. Let's make this year be about that. And whenever you need inspiration, we're going to be here each week bringing you more stories from people who have mastered using creativity as the way out that's it for this week's episode of uncommon ground i'm van jones uncommon ground with van jones is an amazon original production it's produced by magic labs media and wonder media network our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Adesua Agbenile, Sundus Hassan-Noli, and Lindsay Craddlewill. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for the show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Moraes, Chantel Muentes, and Sam Petherbridge. Special thanks to Janet Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindeman, Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, Carrie McCarran, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Louis, and Chris Jackaman.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com
3: survey. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail. Or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand, Drunk Elephant, was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them.